2XXFM 98.3, Canberra's iconic and independent community radio station. The program is Subject ACT, where we delve into local current affairs from an informed and curious gaze. My name is Becca Posterino. I'm the executive producer and the presenter of Monday's edition of Subject ACT. Welcome to the program. Today we further explore local concerns in the lead-up to the ACT election by talking to Community Council representatives. Balconnen Community Council Chair Damien Haas discusses the issues and opportunities between developers, ACT government and the community as the town centre rapidly grows. I also spoke to Chair of Western Creek Community Council Tom Anderson who unpicks the electric changes impacting his community in various ways. ACT community councils are led by a committed and passionate team of volunteers who represent their local communities, engaging with businesses, interest groups and the ACT government. Their role is instrumental in bringing local issues to the fore as we approach the ACT election in October. You're listening to 2XXFM 98.3 on local current affairs program Subject ACT. Coming up next, I speak with Balconnen Community Council Chair Damien Haas on issues affecting the Balconnen community. My name is Becca Posterino. I am the presenter for Monday's edition of Subject ACT on 2XXFM 98.3. Lovely to have your company today. Welcome to the studio, Damien. Thank you, Becca. What are some of the key issues for the Balconnen community from your perspective? I think the way that we manage the growth of the new suburbs out in Strathnairn West Belconnen and the new CSIRO Ginindera field site, which will be redeveloped. I think those are major issues. Also, we're seeing a lot of high-density housing. The town centre is undergoing a rapid transformation from a strictly a commercial area into a residential, commercial and entertainment area. And, for example, in the last four or five years, we've had 3,000 new residents move in. We expect that to increase to about 8,500 over the next decade or so. We have to manage that sort of growth. Mm. So is progress a good thing for Balconnen, in your view? Yes, it has been in the town centre. Certainly, I can understand why people who are out in the suburbs, they see these tall buildings going up and they don't understand why. Put it into perspective, when I moved here in the 90s, we had about 200,000 people in Canberra. Mm. Now we're over 400,000 mm. and we're on our way to 500. In Belconnen, the entire area was originally planned for 90,000. Well, we wow. exceeded that some years ago and we'll probably hit about 120,000 in the next 10 mm. or 15 years. So we have to change. More people bring a bit of life. In the town centre itself, you've not only got more people, but you've got bars, you've got cafes, restaurants of all different types. And these are things that people really like to come into town to enjoy. This development is important for the community and to create housing for the community. You have to go up, not out. Is is it as simple as that? Look, to put this into perspective, Section 200, which is behind the Labor Club, was sold to a developer last year. And I had a look at the plans that they're proposing. Effectively, you can fit the entire population of a Canberra suburb into one of those Mm. blocks. Um, Now, if that's a good or bad thing... I couldn't say, but it is a reality that our population is growing Mm. and unless we want to, you know, build into the Namajai National Park at some Mm. point, we have to find another way to manage that population growth. Mm. And certainly when you put people into those sort of towers, as long as they're sympathetically designed and there are services around, it's actually easier for us as a community to provide services to people who are sort of in a smaller area Mm. than if they're spread over a wide Mm. geographic area. 
Do you think they are designed sympathetically? I mean, there's been much discussion broadly, nationally and locally, about property development being, you know, obviously a reduction in the size, that the actual living space, the, the height of ceilings, the access to natural light, the facilities within an apartment or townhouse. Do you think there needs to be some sort of regulation to ensure that property developers who are obviously creating the future of our cities complying with that sympathetic design? Well, you know, I think it's hard to... I can understand why people would want that. I think it's really hard to dictate taste and design. Yes. Um, And desired character is actually part of what is supposed to be considered when developments are approved. Does it conform with the desired character? But I don't think that's been tested in any court what desired (laughs) character is. I think that it's hard to dictate. One thing I do know is that developers build properties for all prices. So, for example, you could have exactly the same number of square metres and depending on what you as a purchaser are prepared to pay, Mm. then it could be quite different. I've gone into some of the new developments in the Belconnet Town Centre and I personally wouldn't buy them and live in them. And there are some that are still empty. I know the Altitude Building has still got apartments that are empty and the Altitude is one of the nicer Mm. apartment blocks. But I also think there's an affordable housing aspect which needs to be considered. From a BCC perspective, we get people coming out and talking to us about what they're going to do. And a few years ago, we had a representation from the LDA talking about the the redevelopment of Lawson. So what's the LDA? The Land Development Agency. Lawson is a fairly large area and they assured us there'd be an affordable housing element and that's great. But when they then go on to sell the blocks, they trumpet that they've got you know, 40% more than they imagine mm-hmm. they would get for the block. Now, that makes it difficult. If you're a developer and you've got a price in mind to sell housing for, you cannot sell an affordable housing apartment because you've had to pay 40% more for the initial block of land. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are a lot of areas in where value is added or taken away so that when the end purchaser comes to buy something, is it affordable then or not? Yes. So I think we can't just focus on the developer. We've got to look at other aspects as well as it's an enormous issue and Mm. I wish we had the time to talk about it in in great depth. But I think that we have to deliver more housing at the right price for people who have different needs and Mm. expectations. Mm. Because of your socioeconomic status, that you have less control over the space that you're living in and property developers are building dwellings that don't necessarily have that that the priority of livability it's more profitability and I guess it's getting the balance right between yes providing affordable housing and that's an issue but hone in on maximizing space Mm. as opposed to considering human needs and creating that space where people would want to buy it and actually enjoy living in it because certainly it's better for a community if they enjoy where they live. I agree. One of the key aspects of the new Belcon and Town Centre Master Plan, which has just been delivered, they've gone and consulted the community widely on what their Mm. expectations are and some of those expectations are that people are comfortable with high-density housing but they do want these things. They do want a nice streetscape. Mm. They want green open spaces. Natural light. They want parks nearby. Mm. They want light. They don't just want sidewalks, they want cycleways. They want to be able to have clear sight to walk safely. Mm. And a lot of these things, you don't just live in your house in isolation, you actually live in a community. You You live in a built environment. So we can do some work with the government and with other sectors of the community to create that better built environment. Mm. Now, what your individual 
house or apartment looks like mm. is largely up to you and the developer. And certainly I remember talking to a developer years ago. I said, why are you building so many one-bedroom apartments? Yes. Why don't you build two or three-bedroom apartments? He said, he said, I would love to do that, but I've done that before and they remain unsold. People will buy the one-bedroom apartments. I think that's now changing. I have noticed in some of the new developments in the town centre that – there are a lot of larger two- and three-bedroom apartments being sold, and I, th- I believe but can't prove that a lot of people, instead of now you know, selling up and retiring to Queensland, they're selling their house mm. out in wherever, you know, the, the huge block with a house on it, buying a three-bedroom apartment in the town centre yes. um, and downsizing. So I think that's a trend in Canberra yeah, which it, is occurring. The common theme among ACT community councils so far, and we've, we've been talking about this, is inadequate transparency and consultation between property developers, government and community. What are your thoughts on this? We've, we've touched upon this, mm. but do you think consultation and transparency are the key strategies? I think that there's a – I wouldn't agree that there's a problem with okay. with that at all. I would say that there is a perception that there's a problem. Mm-hmm. I have not seen any examples of collusion or corruption between developers and government and planners. And if people have this evidence, they should go to the police. From a Belconnen Community Council perspective, we've engaged with government. We've asked questions. I think that some of the community councils have a different experience and a different perspective. Why is that? I, I can't speak for them. Mm. But from a Belconnen Community Council perspective, we have adopted a consultative approach mm-hmm. with government. If we've got an issue, instead of you know a sad photo on the front of the Chronicle, we'll send an email to sure. an official and ask to speak to them and we'll sit down and discuss our issues. Um, when we uh, undertook to get the Belconnen Town Centre Master Plan underway, the government wasn't interested um, at the time. It's a resource issue mm. and we did our own work. We that seems to be a research, common theme. Our own data, but it was such a high quality that when the government was resourced to do the Belconnen Town Centre Master they plan. They used yours as a template. They used, well, they didn't just use it as a template. They used our data instead of commissioning <laughs> their own because okay. we ensured that it was rigorous, that it, yeah. was, that, that it was high quality data. And I think that if community councils want to lobby on issues that concern them with government, they need to have a serious and professional approach. And a lot of the people in community councils, I think, need to step back a little bit and consider the government perspective and consider the Mm. developer perspective. We're funded, we get a government grant to do community consultation, Mm. spread government information among the community and to represent the interests of Belcommon residents. And we try to do that effectively. I would say that our experience is different to other community councils because we approach it in a different way. But I don't want to judge the other community councils. What would you like to see from both sides of politics regarding the upcoming ACT election? In Belconnen, I think that we need to maintain continuity of delivery of services and infrastructure. The town centre is undergoing rapid transformation, but so are the suburbs. And I don't think that we can neglect suburban maintenance. I know that It's difficult because Canberra is such an enormous Mm. place and there really is this surge in spring where everything Mm. starts to grow. So we need to have, you know, squadrons of mowers out there on the fields of (laughs) Belconnen making them safe for kids to play footy, uh, you know, instead of running soccer balls through foot-high grass. So (laughs) we need to make sure that these basic services are funded and maintained. We need to ensure that road transport, that public transport continues to expand as the city expands. And give you an example, the Riverview development out at West Belconnen, the developer is funding action bus services to begin from the very first person moving in. 
this is something that I wish the government would do when they have new developments. <laughs> so these basic services that people rely on every day are things that both sides of politics mm. need to focus on. We're well served for hospitals. We're well served for roads. We're probably better place for road access in and out of Belconnen than other town centres, especially Gungahlin. Having said that, development pressure on the edges of Belconnen make things like Coringa Drive an absolute must to upgrade. Mm. And the Minister's undertaking to do that upgrade in collaboration with the CSIRO when they redevelop that site. I think there's some things they could do in the interim. You know, we will watch. Certainly one of the major issues is the William Slim Gundaroo Drive Barton Highway intersection. William Slim Drive needs to be duplicated as well as Gundaroo Drive and we expect that the the traffic lights at the roundabout will suffice for the interim but there does need to be a long-term plan there probably Mm. does need to be a flyover there and once again that's something that you need to do in conjunction with other developments in the area. Damien what's your thoughts on the integration of University of Canberra and the Balconnen Town Centre? I think that's something that's come out of the Balconnen Community Council's work with the University of Canberra over the last couple of years we've got a really good relationship with them and through the Balconnen Town Centre Master Plan UC had their own master plan process we have encouraged the government and UC to talk, and they have. And out of that, we've got this real focus in the new Bell Town Centre Master Plan that the developments that are occurring in University of Canberra, such as the public hospital, mm-hmm. new residential housing, new student developments on Aikman Drive, these are going to integrate with all the development that's going on in that area of the Belcon and Town Centre between UC and Benjamin Way. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of residential growth in there and we'd really like to see this seamless integration where you could walk out of any part of UC and walk safely into mm. the Belcon and Town Centre. Yes. I think there's real commitment from both the University of Canberra and real commitment from the ACT government to do this. And if you look at the, the maps in the Belcon and Town Centre Master Plan, There is that focus there. So we're really pleased to see that occurring in a real way. We'd like to see some funding attached to some of these things. I was going to say. But we're sure that over the the 5 to 15 year period, you'll see this start to occur. You're listening to 2XXFM 98.3 on Local Current Affairs Program, Subject ACT. I'm Becca Posterino. That was my conversation with Damien Haas, Chair of Balconnen Community Council, on the rapid development impacting the Balconnen community, including the expansion of University of Canberra and surrounding suburbs, and how best to manage population growth in the Balconnen Town Centre. Coming up next, Tom Anderson, Chair of the Western Creek Community Council, to shine a spotlight on what he perceives as the often forgotten community of Canberra. You're listening to 2XXFM 98.3 on local current affairs program, Subject ACT. I'm Becca Posterino. This morning we're talking to Chair of Western Creek Community Council, Tom Anderson. Welcome to the program, Tom. Good morning. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to come along and talk to you. Tom, what are some of the key issues for the Western Creek community from your perspective? There's two levels of issues. One are the more... Canberra-wide general issues, which are things like light rail. Do you are you in favour or not? That's somewhat of a yes/no answer to the great bulk of the community now. Rates are still an issue. We see ten percent year on year, which means in about the last five years they've gone up by well over fifty percent. I know from my own experience that's the case. They've gone from something like fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars to about twenty-eight hundred dollars this year. So that's one of the things that people are struggling with. One of the other issues that we have, which is not really a local issue, is the NBN 
and the slowing of speeds over the internet as we all wait in hope for that to be introduced Mm. and with the demand for broadband and the higher use we're seeing the rates slow from some of the providers and we'd like to see a change in that. One of the other issues is the public realm of footpaths, streets, roads and just general upkeep in the community which seems year on year to decline although this year we see that the government's introduced more mowing and that to try and keep the place tidy but it is an election year so we're seeing that as well so they're the broader issues from a a local perspective there are some wants that we want we've Mm. got a community centre that's well I won't say it's nearly as old as me but it's past its use by we've been asking for this for well over 10 Mm. years and it's not conducive to today's environment Mm. It's got squash courts in it, which is interesting. It shows the the time that it was built, but it really doesn't have decent meeting rooms mm. or places where the community can go. The only places that the community can go to meet are the coffee shops around Coolerman Court and the clubs. Now, not everyone wants to go there to meet. Underneath that, we've got a few other things like we welcome the promise of the swimming pool, but it was promised also in 2012, so it's... It's coming in Malonga. It's going to be covered. I question if they're going to close the Olympic pool down, why they don't include a diving pool and put it in that wonderful complex in Stromlo Forest Park. Stromlo Forest Park's a great Mm. asset and it's uh, central to Canberra. And if you're going to put a swimming pool in there, a 50-metre swimming pool in there that's covered, which will mean that all ages can use it, you can also put a diving pool alongside it mm. and satisfy the divers who are going to be moved out of Civic in the end with nothing for them. No replacement. No, there's no replacement there. One last thing is a gem that we've got, Featherston Gardens. It's a legacy of, really, of John Stanhope. Originally, though, it's the old CIT site. There are rare trees and plants in there. Mm. CIT was closed down. They moved to Bruce. And originally, it was going to be apartments Uh, The community objected. Uh, John Stanhope, in his wisdom, said, well, the Islamic school in Watson, it's crowded in there. Would you be happy if they came to the old CIT site and we gave the gardens to the community? Problem solved. And and they're wonderful. And we've got a great team there that works there, but there are no facilities there. So there's no toilets and there's no small building there that will allow the vast majority of the community to use it. You can't take a group of school children there. Yes. You can't take a group of older people there. Mm. Supposedly, the the Cotter Road duplication, the last bit, the sod was turned last Wednesday. It's a long time to be waiting for something that could effectively make such a difference to the community. Western Creek people are used to waiting. I've always talked about Western Creek being forgotten overlooked by consecutive governments of either persuasion for years. And suddenly, with the change in electorates, and as they are now with five on five, we're being recognised. And the same's applying to Woden. Woden before was split between Malongla Mm. and Brindabella. Neither part was big enough, I think, for the politicians to worry Mm. about in the same way as Western Creek was part Mm. of Malongla. So almost just forgotten, I think I described it in writing as the uh, the assembly, local assembly could not see Western Creek for mm. the fog. 
But now, in the electorate of Murrumbidgee, which is predominantly made up of Woden and Western Creek, mm. we're visible. You're marginal. It's, it's become a marginal mm. electorate. Mm. We, uh, we will probably see two elected from either side, and where the third one goes, I don't know. Mm. So for us and the community, it's really good. Yes. Because there is recognition there. Mm. And that's important. It is important. Mm. It's important for all the people that are there. Mm. Yes. My next question was around that same that very issue. How has the electorate changes affected Western Creek? You mentioned that now we have five when where there was three. Which electorate is Western Creek now a part of? Western Creek is in the Murrumbidgee electorate. Mm-hmm. Murrumbidgee comprises uh, the suburbs of Woden from. Hughes and Curtin down mm-hmm. to the bottom of the valley, all of Western Creek, the new Malonglo area and the suburb of Cambar out of Tuggeranong. It's much more visible as a, as a unit mm-hmm. and, and what we've seen is... Why is that? Why is it much more visible? Because it's its own entity mm-hmm. and so people have to concentrate on what, Mur- what the electorate of Murrumbidgee is and they see what wasn't seen before, Woden and Western Creek and Malonglo. And mm. Cambo, I can't forget Cambo because mm. that's what basically happened to, to us for years. Cambo is huge and growing. Cambo is the biggest suburb in Canberra mm. and it's uh, half the size of Western Creek. Mm. It's something like 11,000 people. And you're 22,000. We're 22,000, mm. yes. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, it's not small and, and it needs to be in the mix all the time. Mm. The common theme among ACT community councils so far is inadequate transparency and consultation regarding property development. We spoke off air about different issues pertaining to different... Do you think there needs to be more consultation and transparency between government developers and the community? I think the system needs to change from what it is. Uh, There is consultation there, but a lot of the consultation is done to tick a box... Yes. It's not there to to really, in many ways, listen to what people have to say and what their concerns are. And in many times, it's, it's being done at a time when the planning's been completed and it's, here we are, this is mm. what it is. And when we ask, couldn't we have discussed this before you got mm. to this stage? The answer is, oh, we just waited till we had it ready for to discussion mm. with you. So... I've seen that, and I must say, with all the development in Malonglo, I think we've had one discussion with one of the developers Mm. on that. So there's been a lot of development going on there that there's been no discussion, as far as I know, Mm. with anyone in the community. There needs to be a better way. I mean, our council tries to put up development applications that are across the different suburbs as we realise that they're put on the planning website Mm -hmm. as they come up, as the development applications come up. So that's our way to try and make people aware. But unless you live alongside, you don't know about it until it happens. And then people are scrambling around and saying, how did this happen? Mm. Why wasn't I told? Uh, It's not very easy. And there's a whole series of those that occur from time to time. And the community's up in arms and the bureaucracy and the builders scratch their heads and say, well, how did that happen? Mm. And it's pretty simple. 
you didn't come and talk mm. to anyone, you didn't make people aware, and what's happened is really of your own making. Mm. In the community, without having a conversation, there's going to be a repercussion somewhere down the track because you've maybe inadvertently excluded vital members of the community from the discussion. Oh, I think in many cases, the, almost all the community's been excluded mm. from any discussion and it's laid down as a fait accompli to people mm. at the end and saying, there it is, isn't that good? And people say no and they scratch their heads and say, but it is good, we don't want to change this, it's going to cost us money. So I think there's got to be a better way for them to get out there and talk to people. It doesn't have to be formal, but at least put it on the table, make people aware of it before you get to the stage where you lodge your plans and everyone says, hang on, we don't like that. We think you should change this. Mm. And that just creates angst Yes, between the people that are doing it, the government authority who's managing it, and uh, the community. Tom, are there any other issues that you'd like to share with listeners in regards to the Western Creek community? If we take the Western Ponds, beautiful area, uh, just off the, off the uh, Cotter Road, I go down there, regularly walk around there. Uh, the paths are unmade. There's nowhere to sit down there. You, you could sit there by the water, just as you can by all the other lakes around Canberra. This one you can't. It's not finished. It's nowhere near finished, and it needs to be finished so that the new people in Malongla, who live in Coombs, which is only mm. less than 100 metres away from this wonderful water body, uh, to be able to come across, and the people in... Western Creek wander down there or they can cycle down there. It really is a lovely area mm. and and that should be a priority for the government. We'd also like to see some form of employment, probably on the health, to keep with the theme in Wode, mm. a little bit more employment in Western Creek and really for the government to focus on what are they going to do for people in Malonglo. Mm. I mean, this is part of Canberra and, and if you're going to build the suburbs there mm-hmm. as a district well then don't leave it without employment that sure. everyone has to leave mm-hmm. like they do or well, like they've had to in Gungarland. Fluffy homes we've been discussing this throughout the communities and it is an ongoing issue how have how has this issue impacted the Western Creek community? Well it's impacted it relatively more than it has others I mean there's 188 homes affected in Western Creek. On average, it's about it's a bit over 20 per suburb, and I think you'll find that the most of the suburbs average over 20, with Stirling has the, the least number there. But it's getting up toward... It's over 40% of the number of houses have burnt down in the fires. Mm. The fires are in 2003, and the fluffy mm. saga all erupted 2014 I Mm. think from memory so it's only 10 years away and all of a sudden we've got the same situation not on quite the same scale but it's another big effector of people Mm. in the community Mm. now most of those people can't buy back in I know Mm. from my my neighbor Mm. he's not able to rebuy his house he's moved so he's moved out of his community to another suburb how old is your neighbor he's 73 how is he expected at that age to acclimatise and feel comfortable in a new community? Well, I think it's it's not easy, mm. uh, but in talking to him, he's 
comfortable because I think in the in the broader Western Creek community, it's it's not so much as to exactly where you you live, but you are still part of the Western Creek community, mm. and we go across suburbs there because mm. we know people who live in other suburbs. So it's because it's only eight suburbs, it is a small community, and we do understand that. So it's not probably not as bad for him, but. He still had to uproot from living in that mm. house for 40 years. That's a huge change. Well, it is for us too. Mm. You'll miss him, I'm sure. Yeah. You're tuned into 2XXFM 98.3 on independent local current affairs program, Subject ACT. That was my conversation with Tom Anderson, Chair of Western Creek Community Council, on some of the issues impacting his community. Next week, I invite other members of ACT Community Councils to further explore local community issues and opportunities. Tomorrow, Doug Dobing presents Tuesday's edition of Subject ACT. Coming up next, Community Radio Network's topical storytelling, all the best. Tune in each weekday from 8.30 till 9am for more local current affairs on Subject ACT or listen live at www.2xfm.org.au. Backslash listen. Lovely to have your company today on 2XXFM 98.3, Subject ACT. I'm Becca Posterino. Enjoy your day.